0: Today, we are going to chat about everything related to mortgages, especially in this crazy market right now that we have going on with um, interest rates rising and people overbidding by $100,000 minimum. And um, today, we have Matt Shamlian of, Matt, what's the name of your company? <laughs> it is a Primary Residential Mortgage. All right. So, Matt's been around, Matt, and I've known Matt's family for Matt, how long have I known your family? Like twenty years, right? Yeah, I'd twenty 15 years. years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was originally uh, run by Matt Matt's dad and his uncle. I think Matt's kind of the, the torch has been passed along. So I think it's fair to say Matt's grown up around the mortgage business. And uh, like I said, now we're in a little bit of a crazy time right now, Matt. Let's dive right in. Let's dive right into it. First things first. Interest rates are going through the roof. What do you think is yeah. going to
1: happen next? well yeah i mean if anybody really like uh, w- there's a lot of hand-wringing in the industry about what the next like sixty ninety 90 days looks like one of the things that we're seeing right now is like Fannie and freddie are uh, explain, to really explain, to explain okay, it to them explain it to so, them like they're five now yeah Fannie so fanny and so fanny Mae and freddie uh mac they're they're the two government-sponsored entities so they insure and back uh a large portion of all the loans, um, in our country, um, that get funded every day. And so they kind of, are the people that help us set our, our, our interest rate markers, what they'll insure, and what they won't insure. the interest. The interesting thing right now is, as our rates have continued to, to rise quickly, they have kind of drawn a line in the sand on rates that they're allowing us to sell. So what that means is, um, even though rates maybe should be closer to 6%, they're only letting us, or 6.5%, they're, they're only releasing rates into the mid fives, to so the higher fives. And I think the reasoning behind that, if we can look into a crystal ball, is maybe they feel through their their economists that this may be the, the, the ocean floor of rates, and we're going to maybe start poun- bouncing back up and not letting people lock into rates that will immediately be, outside of the market too high. And so we've had actually for the first time and probably since Christmas, a positive week in rates, like total, um, not a lot positive, but at least a little bit of a bounce. And so I don't think there's gonna be a run where rates go flying back down, but um, it'd be nice if we had some settling into the marketplace because there's just a lot of, I mean, when you, have, when you go from really the, the low 3% range around Christmas to the high 5% range now in about four and a half months. Uh, that's, that's pretty unprecedented. So people are trying to figure out, kind of get ahead of it either way, they're short the market or, 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 or not. So um, really, I think rates, I, I am a, maybe a positive thinker. Um, I, I think rates are in the midst of stabilizing, um, which is a positive thing. Um, okay. For all
0: sides. Yeah. And when they stabilize, what does that mean in English? Does that mean they stay at five percent? They stay at six percent? They go yeah. back down to where they were?
1: What does that so, mean? Yeah. And any kind of market run where it's a positive or negative run, usually when they they hit either the 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 bottom floor or the top floor, there's usually a bounce back, a different direction, a smaller one. So, you know, if rates right now are in the mid to high fives, uh, my thought process is maybe they bounce to the low fives and then okay. kind of settle settle there for the time being unless you know there's always other market constraints i don't think anybody in january or february or december thought this russia ukraine thing was going to happen and you know that puts a, a different strain on markets too and um so but i i think in my mind i think we're maybe seeing even in the last two weeks like a, a settling which means like rates might get a little bit better but then kind of flatline if that makes sense they're not going to be such like a like right now we, we kind of joke when you look in the mortgage market if it was an EKG. You'd be having a heart attack because it's just up down, up down up down up down every day, and it's usually not. It's usually more of a wave. If you can see my hand, we're seeing it like this every day, and it's it's a very shocking, like swings. So, boy, we'd love to you know in any market, we'd like to find some uh, normality over a long period of time so people can kind of settle in.
0: Okay, so by the way, Dominic, without you here to start the show, I totally butchered it. I did not. Introduce the show properly. I just kind of <laughs> dove right into it. <laughs> but this is the Make More, Keep More show for those of you just tuning in. Um, we chat, myself and Dominic of rippa's Advisors, have Matt Shanley on today as our guest. But we chat about all things related to money. And uh, we had a great show last week talking about buying houses in the crazy market. But all of our questions related around mortgages or I won't say a lot of them, but the majority of them related around mortgages and what to do. So Matt, um, Shamley, and a prime res mortgage. We got on here to answer those questions. So, so Matt, what advice would you give someone right now? That's getting ready to buy a house. Mm-hmm. That is like, I don't, I was planning on a 4% rate. Now I got a 5% rate. What, sure. what advice are you giving everybody right now?
1: You know, for us, we one of the things we've always taught, even in in any kind of market, um, I'm not going to say that rate isn't important, but it isn't the 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 marker that I would go on for how to make a decision, because ultimately, like sale price, loan program, all of that stuff, interest rate it's all important, but your monthly payment is what actually comes out of your budget, like that actually affects your day to day life, and so we have a lot of families that will will give us a. We want to work towards a range. Like I feel comfortable at twenty four hundred dollars a month, or nineteen hundred dollars a month, or four thousand dollars a month, whatever your budget is. And then wherever the rates kind of fall in line, and also with property taxes and insurance, we'll kind of reverse engineer into a place where, like, hey, this is a living, breathing thing. Like maybe right now you're looking at you know seven fifty to nine hundred, but rates go up now. You're really maybe you want to stick away from that nine hundred, more eight fifty and below, and and so. We want to, because as we know, with with most people, like cash flow is so important because that is right. your ability to save for retirement, that's your ability yeah, totally. to live your life. And so we want to think about it more of in a monthly payment sense than just be like, well, because most people don't know the difference on a half a million dollars between four percent and five percent. That's it seems it seems terrible and it's not great, but depending on what we can do, or you know, some of the things that happen now is you know you're also selling your home generally for more than it's ever been worth. So maybe totally. there's more of a down payment access to you. So yeah, it's gonna be a worse payment, but it's offset maybe by a you know an extra 10% down you can put. And so um, it's definitely not ideal you know, market conditions. I won't lie to anybody here, um, but really understanding product and placement, down payment, mortgage insurance, there's all of these things. Um, even I, I will tell you, I haven't sold an arm in a decade. And then about a week and about a week and a half ago, we started seeing ARM products being released in the market. By the way, just so you guys know, because
0: <laughs> not speaking in code here. Sorry about uh, that. ARM is adjustable rate mortgage. So meaning, yeah. rather than like a thirty year fixed or a fifteen year fixed, which which really I haven't seen any of those on the market in in about twelve to fourteen years since yeah. the whole kind of mortgage meltdown. If any of you guys saw The Big Short. Mm-hmm. where you saw kind of where they were talking about that. And by the way, if you guys have not seen the big short, great movie, you guys need to see the big short because it explains what happened in the 2008 kind of monster meltdown of yeah. all the markets. So yeah. I'm kind of so, up it. People yeah. getting nervous a little bit on Twitter about the market right now. It's like, kids, you guys have not even seen yeah. a real market meltdown. So Man. I'm like my grandpa, back in my day, you kids, we had a real meltdown. But anyway, okay, so back to the adjustable rate mortgages, Matt. Yeah. You're starting to see those again. So what is the advantage of an adjustable rate
1: mortgage there? So, you know, one of the things that's an advantage is, um, generally speaking, if the market is at mid-fives, <laughs> an adjustable rate rate mortgage is going to give you some interest rate relief. So your rate's going to be a little lower. The offset of that is instead of being fixed at that rate for 30 years, you can choose a term of being fixed for five or seven or 10 years. But after that, that fixed period ends, you you go into an adjustable period. So that means your rate can change depending on the product by month or by year. And it changes within a pre-prescribed range. um, So that introduces volatility down the road. Um, And so, one of the things that was a part of the mortgage crash in 2008, 2009, and in the, the years preceding that was a lot of people – it was a more in vogue product. It was about 10 to 12% of our whole market built a place were in these adjustable rates. And the, the assumption is, oh, my house is always going to be worth more down the road, so I'll have this equity build up. And I can get into a de- I can run to safety in five or seven years with a better product well we had a, <laughs> yeah we had a recession values yeah that down. didn't happen yes so those kind of loans have the volatility to kind of blow up if you know you get laid off and your rates higher and things happen so while it can be a good release a relief for people if um, hey you know what if I'm at five and a half and I can get you a seven or ten year arm at five percent uh, it's not a bad product it just needs to be really well explain to the borrowers, making sure they understand the ramifications of it. It's There's a positive and there's a volatility aspect to it. And so as long as you're okay with both those things, it can be a great viable product. And so when markets get you know, interrupted like they are now with higher rates and really, you're seeing a lot of uh, like volume leave the industry. So people that are, you know, there's just less loans going out there cause there's less inventory. Um, investors and, and banks are starting to introduce different products to see if we can entice more volume and back in the industry. Uh, And so that's a, that's a watchful kind of eye thing because that happens, it goes out of control. Then people get put in the program, loan programs that is, you know, do that could blow up on them. and, And then that can kind of really exacerbate a recession by people foreclosing kind of like when the mortgage crisis happened. Okay. So what would you advise? What
0: would you, what is the price differential right now? If my, 30 or fixed is going to be five, five and a quarter percent, five and a half, whatever. What what, what could I reasonably expect on an adjustable rate mortgage? Probably right probably
1: around five. It's usually about a half percent lower. Um, okay. and, and so when you're looking at like a half a million dollar home or half a million dollar loan loan amount of half percent, an um, in interest rate is probably going to run you about 180 to 200 bucks a month um indifference so that's a good value but you're offsetting 30 years of security for
0: 20 years yeah Yeah. you're
1: taking some risks there and and of course again you can
0: refinance for the mortgage adjust but it requires you to have a job because i say it all the time a mortgage is not a loan against your house it's a loan on your income secured by your house yeah and so if you don't have any income um Then we got a problem. If somebody got sick or lost a job, you lose that ability. Um, and we had that happen a lot in 2008 Mm -hmm. where people were laid off their jobs and then wanted to, their, their mortgages began to adjust up and they're like, I want to refinance. It's like, you can't, and your entire industry ran for the hills and, and wouldn't make loans for a while. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and I like, think we love Matt, but yeah. partners, you know, bankers are a conservative lot, and uh,
1: they were they were done. Yeah.
0: So, and,
1: and I think too, like, I do feel uh, if I can put like an economist hat on, uh, I think we're due for like a correction, kind of in all markets. We're seeing it in the stock market. Yeah, um, at some point, home values are going to have to kind of level out. I mean, we've had like thirty percent growth over a twenty-four month period. That's just un- unheard of in any yeah. time in the history of our country. So I think it, the, some some reality needs to hit our markets. The good thing is, just so everybody doesn't think I'm saying, hey, it's 2008 again. I don't believe that because almost everybody is in. Like, I mean, upper 90 percent of people are in traditional 30-year fixed mortgages. So the only way that we would have a really crazy run on on that stuff is if unemployment like gets way high, double dip like 12, 15, 20 percent. Like a res- like Great Depression type situation, okay. Then it's going to reverberate. But for the most part, people have locked their really low interest rates over the last two years, uh, and so and that aren't going to change. So they should be able to wage the storm. But I think values are going to come down. But exp- everything else is expensive. Gas, you know, gas is four bucks in Ohio. It's probably five, <laughs> five bucks in California. Right, Please, son. <laughs> yeah, Please. yeah, that's yeah.
0: high. A hundred, a hundred and seven dollars to fill my car the other day. Sixteen yeah. gallons. So um so what are you
1: advising what are you advising people right now? You know, to me, like one of the things that we've always worked on, Ron, is and I think it's the biggest mistake in most consumers' life is they don't bring their financial advisor in the conversation of their home. Oh they, well they, they, I like they, I like
0: what you're saying now on that. Yeah, Well <laughs> we <Well,
1: we've, laughs> I mean we work with I work with over a hundred of your clients at least and and the reason is they think like uh, mortgage bank, mortgage goes to the bank, retirement goes to planner, but neither of those teams talk to each other. Yeah, and so when you're, i got to stop that. Yeah. And, and so when you're, when you're both doing what you think is right for the borrower without communicating, you're going to kind of step on each other's toes. You're going to pitch a 15 year mortgage, not knowing that they're not saving enough for retirement already, all of these things. And so oh. what I will tell the consumers get with a lender that, and get with your advisor and bring and make yourself like a like a triumvirate to understand. Hey, I want to buy a house. I want to move up. I want to move out. Dominic, what can you go look dude? up
0: triumvirate so yeah. so we can explain <laughs> some, some, yeah. some of us? of us have That good. Good. Uh, yeah. Don't know you about. Know, a T. Yes. We need a we need a dumber mortgage guy on next time that speaks English. <laughs> Not all. But, Matt all went to college and you yeah. were a linebacker, right? No. <laughs> yeah. Long, yeah. Decades ago. But yeah, I wouldn't um, want to get hit by Matt. I'm just saying, guys. Um, well, but I a, think this is the great point
2: around. We've talked about this a lot in, in our, our discussions in past shows, the, the, the Make More, Keep More show. Is like we've talked about this idea that you got to have your advisors in on it. Your tax guys yeah. should be in on your conversations even when you buy a car. I mean, I was at Ron's office last week after we did the show and we were talking about something and I was like, oh, hey, by the way, Ivana wants to buy a Tesla. Ivana's my wife. If you want to buy a Tesla? How should I register that? And he was like, what's your corporate structure? And, you know, and it's just that discussion of like, all right, cool. Then then it's, you know, that's what. So then talking to your, but then, yeah, you're right. I don't know that I thought until you said it. And then I was like, duh. But you, like, I don't know if I've talked to my, you know, Ron or a tax guy or a financial planner when I've done my mortgage, but Everybody has to come together. Like you're, You have to have a finance team. Yeah. And it's something that's big when you're, especially, and we'll, we'll talk about self-employed people here in a minute. Maybe some of the self-employed yeah, sound off in the comments. Um, if you're self-employed, let us know in the comments because we want to we take some of this, your direction here in a second. But when you're, when you're running a business, if you want to go sell that business at some point, exit that business, one of the things people will always advise you is have your team. Your know your attorney, your tax person, your financial advisor, because every, everybody's gonna have a everybody's gonna have an opinion about selling your business. But it actually applies even if you're not self employed as well. Like you should have that you know that that team behind you to to support you in all your financial decisions. So great advice, man.
0: Rachel, yeah. she's self employed. Hey, by the way, for those of you just joining, this is the Make More, Keep More show you guys are jumping on late we'll post the show after the thing um i'm ron Carruthers. that's dominic of robos advisors and then today with us we have matt of prime res mortgage matt shanley if you guys want to talk to him by the way when the show's done um send him nudes just go for it jump right in his dms he loves it and absolutely abused him and cool. uh, all of that so let's so i want to chat before dominic before we get to the self-employed sorry rachel you have to wait a minute and proven by wisdom, there was a question that we got in there, but it slid by so fast I didn't see it. I want to jump on that. I want to talk about down payment fifteen versus 30. then we're going to go to self self employed
1: okay um, so, down payment first
0: hold on, Dominic. So yeah, I had the question there, are you able to scroll back and grab that question? i'm not uh, I'm not with her, so I'll have to find out i'm where I'm up in uh, Marina del Rey right now. Uh, Dude, do we need to chat you're like so, not with her is there so, no, no not not with her just, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, give so. her whatever she wants <laughs> if sure. you don't want to die for sure. ivana's italian old school hardcore italian and you do not mess with ivana no um, no not uh, at all so forget that question for a moment sorry whoever asked it it was a good one it just went by too fast yeah i think it was uh yeah, somebody I repost it because I think he's on here every week
2: or she or lovely lovely yeah, love, love like CJP or whatever posted that question. So repost it if we if we missed it. So please do. don't
0: mind. So sorry. About oh, that.
2: Alexander that. just texted it to me, but hold on. Okay, a beautiful.
0: We'll grab it. Matt, hang tough for one second. We'll get to right.
2: it. Yep, I got it. So, uh,
0: um, wait, hold. On. We have dead air. Okay, Dominic just got kicked off. By the way, for someone asking, i no, Got cut off for a second. For someone asking if it's recorded, it is. I posted about ten minutes after the show. It just takes a few minutes to
2: render and upload. Okay, all right. Thank you. There, there's the. There it is. Why did the arm return after being gone for so long, and does the risk really outweigh the return? Great now, question.
1: Stay on that. I got my own opinion, but go ahead yeah. and go for it. it. It's. I think it's an. It's a question that answered itself in the second part. Um, the the return of it is because of. Um, there's just a lack of volume in our industry. So think of it this way in, in mortgages and lending. If there's a lot of volume on like when rates are really low, people generally just run to the fixed 30 year price because it's, it's the most stable and it's great. And so there's not a need for extra products. Everybody's kind of just doing a 30 year fix or 20 year fix. Um, but when rates go up uh, generally, there's less um, volume and in less loans being closed. And so when that happens, these banks, because they are for profit, um, will and investors are for profit. They will come up with different things that they'll look at the market and say, hey, you know, if we reintroduce the seven year arm with a more competitive price, we can maybe get more market share with it. Knowing that um, that could entice somebody that either doesn't qualify or just walked away because they didn't like their rate. to so like, Oh, there's a product here that I like. It is very it's, it, it is much more risky, um, but it isn't a product that can't be utilized it just has to be um utilized well so what i mean by that is on an arm i would definitely only do an arm if i have a i have a a pretty solid down payment percentage i wouldn't do like an arm on a five percent down because if there's a volatility in the market and value flip you're immediately negative like equity meaning you owe more than it's worth which also also means you can't which also means you can't refinance if that adjustable
0: rate begins to jump off that's where you get into trouble there Or I
1: I would look at somebody that's like, man, I just, I bought my house for a mint and I sold it for a ton and I found my dream home, but the rate's high. I'm putting 30% down or even sometimes more. Um, yeah, the arm's fine there because you're going to still pay off principal those seven to 10 years. Uh, but when it goes to the uh, adjustable period, um, you'll have, even if there is a market downturn, your value of your home is five or 10% less than you bought it. Um, you'll still have equity space to kind of get into a fixed product. And so um, it's more. And risky, you're really, and you're really gambling. You're yes, gambling rates are going to go lower at some point in the
0: future, or you're not going to be in the house yeah. when the rate begins to adjust the other direction. And just for some historical perspective, Matt, what is the highest
1: interest rates are ever gone? Oh, I'd have to look at a chart for that. I mean, I got in the mortgage industry in 2007. My you know nothing. Company. You're like John Snow. Yeah. You know well,
0: nothing. I, Let me I, tell I, you, back in the 70s and the early 80s, mortgages I, were like 14 and 15 and oh, 18%. Yeah. So don't 80, forget, I'm like sure. you, if you guys have only been around, you guys watching this, sound like my grandpa again. Yeah. You know, if you guys <laughs> don't know... I mean, inflation, yeah, 9%, 10% inflation sucked. It got up to 15%, 16% for a brief period in the late 70s or early 80s. Yeah. There were actually gas lines because there wasn't enough gas. You had to wait in line for that. So yeah. now, in fairness, CDs were paying 15 to 18%. Life insurance contracts were paying something similar. So it all rose and it all fell. But the gamble that, will go back to three and four percent interest. It is more likely that it will go up to six, seven, and eight percent in the future. That's, that's kind of the way I would go. So, lovely CJP, I I wouldn't do it unless I got a much bigger yeah spread. If so I got paid. Hey, they'll let me in for three, and I have three for seven years. Sorry, guys, we're getting the SDG&E trucks cruising by. Not sure what's going on, but um, dude, there's a ton of them. All right. Well, my power's working for now, so we'll be good. <laughs> um, what do you? What's the least someone can get in on a down payment?
1: Not so. Yeah. So one of the things. I mean, I know that this 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 probably has a national reach. So there are some state specific that we call them DPAs, down payment assistant programs um, that you can research, and your loan officer should be able to know them. Uh, so there are loans as little as zero percent down. Um, down payment assistance generally are like grant programs that have pretty specific um, qualifications. Um, And they're usually for like a first-time homebuyer or a kind of lower third of the market purchase price. Um, But please investigate those. Um, As far as like conventionally speaking, if you're a first-time homebuyer, you can put as little as 3% down on a conventional loan. Um, Or if it's not a first-time homebuyer, you can put 5% down. FHA is 3.5%. The reason for the difference between a conventional and FHA uh, FHA allows for lower credit scores, um, but they also will have um, higher mortgage insurance. And there's also an added cost to your closing costs that gets financed. So your start loan amounts higher. And so okay. FHA is more for like, hey, you know what? Uh, my credit is you know middle to low 600s. Um, and um, I don't have a lot of cash in reserve. It's got a lot more expanded requirements. A conventional is more of, hey, my credit score is 680 and above and i have at least five percent down um that's gonna have a lower mortgage insurance monthly premium because if you don't have 20 percent down you're gonna have that extra added payment of mortgage insurance. A mortgage plus. yep yeah so those are the two main products now if you're a veteran of the armed services and we appreciate your service and one of the things that um, our country and our government has done is created a va loan va loans are 100 financed you have no mortgage insurance you can buy a home exactly you have no money down um, you can even ask for solar concessions so there's no money out of your pocket. Your closing costs get covered. Uh, and so one of the questions we always ask our clients is, are you a veteran? Because sometimes veterans don't even know the benefits yeah, that they've got. They don't. Yeah. And so we want to make sure um, that we are uh, making sure that they know that they're not missing out on a product and putting money down when they don't have to or they and don't want to. And, Matt, what are the higher limits
0: on that? Like in California, if, if I was the veteran, which I'm not, um or going fha what like how much house can i buy with one of those
1: programs so the thing about uh so fha it goes by your county okay there's a county limit so um you know your san diego counties your your la counties your san francisco counties all those the higher dollar ones um, i want to say it's 825 hundred twenty five thousand, and that's the loan amount not the purchase price um va actually doesn't have a ceiling what they okay. do is there's there's a zero percent down payment up to the the county lending limit that fha number and then if you buy anything above that there's like a calculation that you have to have a percentage of that amount be down payment so like if you buy a 1.5 million dollar house and your county is at eight you you're gonna have to put 20 percent down of the difference i know that's really getting in the weeds but no, that have makes, to add that makes sense to that side. yeah so so and
0: what va is great yeah and what I was going to say is the lesson here is just make sure you're talking to somebody who knows this stuff. Yeah. Because this is one of the biggest decisions you will make. When we talk about areas where people lose money unknowingly and unnecessarily, yeah, this is one of those areas. And it's the largest taxes are generally the largest if you're successful. Sure. Mortgage is kind of your second largest. And it's the voluntary one right because you get to choose where you live and how much you spend and so you want to make sure you get this right or you could be losing thousands of dollars of interest and fees and costs and all those sorts yep. of things what yep. do you recommend your clients do
1: matt as far as putting a lot down a little down what do you tell them you know it's one of those things that i i think even as a financial advisor i can you know i've known you guys for so many years and work with iran like, you know we have best practices, but there's no like everybody fits in the same exact box. Depending on where you're at, where you're on, like we have a lot of families we work with on like the East Coast. And East Coast, for a half a million dollars in like New Jersey, your property taxes are probably twenty grand a year. It's outrageous. And so, what, oh. a, lot of families, yeah, what a lot of families will do is they'll move hey, into New a, Jersey, yeah. <laughs> and they'll, they'll move into a school district for their kids to go to school. But they know as soon yeah. as that got, that thing goes to the other side a sale sign up in their house and they're, they're moving out. back Employment. west into the yeah. center of the state because they can get half the, half the taxes in more of a house. So that's just in a scenario. So it's very dependent on it. Now, I, you know, there's a joke, you know, there's, there's a lot of like talking head financial advisors like you got to put 20% down, you got to put 20% down, you got to put 20% down. That's such a fallacy. Think of it this yeah. way. Home values have risen 30% in the last two years in most places in the country. So if I had... 10% down and I was trying to save that other 10% down, guess the goal line keeps getting moved. because so right. That $500,000 house is now six fifty. dollars Well yep. 20% at $650,000. And you missed a lot more than five hundred. dollars But if I had to put yep. 10% down at five hundred, dollars I got the house and then I get the $150,000 raise in value. I had a friend in Florida right now who bought his house two four four and a half years ago for two sixty, dollars And somebody knocked on his door and gave him cash at eight twenty. dollars Now, if he had to wait 20% down, he would have maybe bought that house at 500 and still maybe made $200,000. But I mean, I was joking with him. I was like, you just sold your house for a 401k. Like you just have like a whole retirement plan out of your house. And and so getting into a home and into a payment that fits your budget is way more important than saying, I got to get to a specific percentage down, because the longer you wait, especially in this marketplace, inventory isn't happening. Like there's, they're not building more California. Like you can't go West. The ocean's there. And so, like, <laughs> no doubt. like getting into the home, like yes, we're gonna have a disruption in value, maybe, but like values in homes are gonna generally be stable to positive. And so every year you wait, that that price goes up a little bit more. And if it's like right now, it's way outweighing your ability to save. Like an extra ten percent is fifty grand. Who can save fifty grand in a year after taxes without a huge bonus? And if you wait a year, now that's sixty-five grand because the value's out here's something really to think about and i want you guys
0: this is some deep level stuff that matt's talking about right now because that is one of the biggest misconceptions i see well i don't want to pay pmi and i i gotta have 20 percent down and like that's really freaking hard to do once you get into the housing market because over time houses are going to rise in value then it's easy sell one home buy another because that equity worked for itself but here's something i want you guys to remember your house, your equity in your house, your down payment, let's put it that way, is a dead equity item. And what that means is your house doesn't care if it's financed 100% or you paid cash for it. It it has no idea. It's going to go up or down independent of those factors. Mm -hmm. And so that equity or that big down payment isn't earning you any money to speak of other than getting you into the home in the first place. And it, you can't access it um, without going to somebody like Matt and being like, Matt, can I please have the money? And that's like, fill out 427 pages. Mm-hmm. And now our proctologist is going to come up yeah. financially speaking and go through Couple every transaction you've done. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we, I, as a general rule, and yes, there are exceptions to every rule. My recommendation to my clients has always been least amount down that, that you can get in with, most amount, longest term that they'll let you have. We'll get into 15 versus 30 in a moment. Maybe we'll push that to after the self-employed piece of it. And um, never prepaid, never send an extra payment to the bank. And the reason is it doesn't lower your payment. It doesn't lower, you don't have access to it if you change your mind, like, hey, guys, I was kidding. I've been sending you that extra 500 bucks a month. Again, you got to go back through the process. And it does shorten your term, but it's on the back end. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't lower your interest rate. The bank's not like, oh, well, you know, Dominic's sending us all these extra interest, interest payments. He's a nice boy. We're <laughs> going to send him, we're going to lower his interest rate a little bit because bankers are, you know, I mean, we
1: love Matt, but bankers are bankers. So They will play dumb as long as they can until you make Torn. them lose more And by the way, yeah. no,
0: no disrespect intended, Matt, but Mark Twain was not wrong when he said, a banker <laughs> is a fellow that will lend you his umbrella when the sun is shining and want it back the second it begins to rain. Yeah. So anyway, so
2: jumping in here real quick, just for anybody who just joined on, this is the make more, keep more show. I'm Dominic. That is Ron, that wave to the crowd, Ron. And that's Matt in the, the, well, I don't know where everybody sees there, here, but he's in the lower right for me. So, so anyway, good, good to have you all on here. We talk all things money this week. We're talking about mortgages It's sort of a, fo- a follow up to last week's discussion around real estate, real estate investing, how to buy your first house, how to buy your 20th house uh how to get you know wh- where to put money and we have some actually some questions that were from last week which we'll we'll throw in here in the middle of it one we'll uh, th- throw it throw it towards you matt but we uh we asked earlier how many of you are self-employed got a few of you responding for sure and feel free to let us know if you're self-employed um that's a big one when it comes to mortgages right is Ooh. as ron always says and again if you didn't hear him earlier in the show this is such a great point a mortgage is not a loan on your house a mortgage is a loan on your income secured by your home so what well, it becomes really tough uh for self-employed people sometimes to get a mortgage i know from my own personal experience you know our credit's good everything's fine but they're like oh but we want to see this and all that you know and you run a business kind of differently so matt what are your what are a couple of suggestions we'll wait for ron's uh I have no idea what's noise. going
0: on here. I live on a nice, quiet street, and I've had four San Diego Gas and Electric trucks go by, and now we got the crane going by. So I don't know what's going on. We do have because my neighborhood's like sixty-five years old. We got the overhead power lines here. So, so, um, so Ron's going to lose power here, shortly. Right, uh, probably, so, but look,
2: there's the ocean right there. Yeah, there you go. That's where so, you have it. Have it. Um, so, talk to talk to us a little bit, Matt. What do you suggest, like? when it mm-hmm. comes to we'll talk kind of diff, two different crowds we got your crowd of like i haven't i'm self-employed right now maybe newer to my my self-employment and i want to go buy my ex, my first house
0: yeah, well, you did that by the way, group. if you're new to self-employment you just did that backwards you should have yeah. bought your house <laughs> you self-employed good yeah. good <laughs> fair point. you dumb on yeah. <laughs> or even if i want to refinance <laughs> and a yeah the
2: self-employed game talk to me a little
0: bit you about that are crowd are well yeah screwed. okay so, No, Matt. give them an answer give them an answer yeah. that
1: says they're screwed but but make it sound nicer than i did well i i think even in answering that question i want to start with like kind of try to help everybody understand why um self-employed is a little bit tougher um from an underwriting standpoint what the goal is looking at so The reason why everybody loves W-2 versus self-employed is because underwriters are basically trying to mitigate volatility in income. So they're trying to make sure they want you to make eight bucks every minute of every day, and they can chart it out and they can see it and it's good. But if you have an income that goes like this, like you're in sales where you know your first quarter is slow, your second quarter is big, your third quarter is great, and then the fourth quarter you go to Jamaica. And they go, Well, what happened? You made 120 grand, but It looks like you stopped making money the last two months and they freak out. And so sometimes there's a lack of common sense. And I totally get that because self-employed people, the reason they're self-employed is because they want to kind of chart their own path in life. And that means they don't work a traditional work schedule or get paid in the traditional work way. So to do that, we rely on tax returns, number one. And so if you are for going from like, hey, I was a school teacher and I decided I wanted to build guitars. And I started Matt's Guitar Company last month, but I sold a million dollars worth of guitars. I can't use that income until there's a full twelve months showing on a tax return, at least, uh, of that income, so we can see what your not just your revenue, but your cost of goods and how much income and profit you you've delineated. So we at least need one year. Generally, rule of thumb is good for two, but if the first year is solid, we have something to work with. The next thing we do is a lot of people take advantage of extensions for taxes. You know, you don't have to file them last week like most people. You file them as late as possible to make sure, you know, we understand with, especially Ron is a specialist with this, with taxes, like taking advantage of the tax code behooves you as a self-employed person.
0: But yeah, it screws you
1: when you're trying to, when you're trying to. So there's an equilibrium. So when I talk to self-employed people, a lot of times I'd like to get to them as soon as possible. Like, hey, what is your financial standpoint right now? We look at it. Oh. Maybe they're in a great place. Let's buy a house. Hey, there's, you know, less what you kind of went wild with the write-offs. You're going your to come down too far. I know that you really make 400 grand, but you've only showed 80,000 and you're not going to be able to qualify for a $900,000 house with $80,000 of income. <laughs> uh, and so what we'll do is we'll try to game plan and be like, you know what, if your taxes look like this next year and you're ready to buy, like send them in, get your transcripts back and we'll use those. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing we use a lot of times is profit loss statements. And so we'll get that from your, just to make sure that you're current. You know, if your taxes were for 2020, and now we're in 2022, and you haven't filed your taxes yet for 2021, we're going to need like a PL a profit loss on your 2021, just to make sure in the last 12 months business has operated normally. We'd love it to be up, but as long as it's stable, it's good. So, what I to answer the question specifically is, you know, if you're going to buy a house, you have to be serious about paying taxes in that time frame, um, meaning like your tax bill, your 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 t- your income taxes. You're going to have to show a reasonable amount of income or you get with me and say, hey, Matt, I need to look in the six to eight hundred thousand dollar range because that's what's going in my area for where I want to live. And then we can reverse engineer like, hey, how much down payment do we utilize? How little do we do? You know, how much income do you have to show next year? And then we can work with you and your CPA to make sure you don't pay a dollar too much in income uh, taxes, but also you don't short yourself by 10 grand a a year. And that's like, oops, you can't buy it even. Um, so we just want to kind of have a live conversation with people who are doing it because it is a somewhat of a moving target and specific to each case. If that makes sense. Yeah, I would add, by the way, you can I have a question for
0: you, Matt, but also from the tax side of things, we can always show a couple higher years of income. And then if we really did leave off a bunch of deductions and things like that to get that higher income, we can always go back and fix that later on the tax side so nothing illegal i don't know if the banker you know bankers are going to like it but once your deal's done they're done so we can go back the other way and actually there's about five or six i've got a white paper of five or six other strategies um to to be self-employed and still be able to buy a house matt is there a down payment number where the bankers are just like screw it at this down payment number, we don't really want to look at your tax returns like you're good. Whatever happened or their morals yeah. get a lot looser. Yeah.
1: So just so you know, my my your uh, phone's cut out during your last conversation. So I cannot probably advise for the, or probably or for <laughs> I can't endorse or advise or not advise what you just said. Um that's between you and your financial advisor and accountant. Uh we don't get involved in that. But yeah. So is there a magic number? There isn't, when we're talking conventional or jumbo lending, I have to at least have some type of assessment of income. Now, what I will say is for high net worth, the, ma- the magic number is 100% yeah. down, right? Yeah. yeah. You well, just buy cash, then we don't care. So you're not for high net, high net worth people, depending on it, so there's something called a um, an asset depletion calculation I can do. So if you have right. a lot of money in the bank, so let's say I got $5 million in some type of, Business fund or uh, managed account, whatever insurance you you have that, I can take that amount of money and what they do is the calculation is pretty simple. I have to take half of that money, so five million to two point five, and then I divide that by three hundred sixty payments, like the more the length of the mortgage, and whatever that number is, that's I can use that as like quote unquote income. All right, a lot of, a lot of mortgage people don't know that we do that a lot for a lot of self-employed people. So let's say you have $5 million in the bank or you, have you know, whatever inherited this and you're, you know, you're sitting on it. We can use that as a, as a supplement saying like, Hey, I ripped my business income down to, you know, 10 grand a month, but I have four and a half million dollars. And if I deplete that, I get another $7,000 a month in income. I don't have to spend it or put it in an annuity to start it. It's called an asset depletion calculation. We can do that. And then that adds usable income to the calculation. So, That's not always an option for everybody, and it's it's pretty you know you you take what the number is, cut it in half, and then divide it by three hundred and sixty. So it it beats it down pretty far. But we've actually had success with adding people. You know, if they're buying their retirement home, and they're in their late fifties, they they've accumulated a good amount of savings through retirement. We can actually use that as an illustration. Like, hey, you know what? We're buying a seven hundred thousand house, but the guy's got four million. The 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 family, the the married couple, or the white lady's got three million dollars. She can write a check for the house, but she wants to utilize. Long-term financing. There's a lot of times there's a way for us to kind of see that through an underwriting. Interesting. Good to know.
0: I hope you guys were taking notes. By the way, while we're on one thing, real quickly, I know poor Dominic. We're not letting you get a word in, Edgewise today. But um, just also keep in mind that there is something called for the tax code. There's something called acquisition indebtedness, and all that means is under the new. Well, they're not technically new anymore, but the newest set of IRS codes. You can from 2018, you can only write off the mortgage interest related to your acquisition indebtedness, meaning if you pay cash for a house to avoid just like you don't want to deal with Matt, even though Matt's a super nice guy, um, and then later go and want to refinance to cash out to pull some of that cash out and let a portion of it up to I think 100 or 150,000 can be used to remodel your house or make improvements. And you can turn around and write off the interest on that portion of it, but let's say you pull five hundred or six hundred thousand out, you are not allowed to write that interest off because it was not acquisition indebtedness. So just so you guys know, we've run into that a couple of times over the last year, where people are like, "Nobody told me this." You know, I just thought if I had mortgage interest, I could write it off. It's like, yeah, because you didn't use it to buy the place to acquire it. You're screwed on that. Sorry to derail the conversation, Jen. Sure. I just uh went in. By the way, it's no, Dominic I'll save Dominic from saying this. This is the Make More Keep More podcast or Instagram Live. I don't know what they we know the make more keep more part. We're not really sure about what comes after that. But I'm Ron Carruthers. That's Dominic Cummins of Real Deals Advisors. And then that we have our guest today, Matt Shanlan of Prime Res Mortgage. And again, if you want to chat to Matt afterwards, you know, like jump in his DMs and um Anyway, tell them tell him you think the Browns are going to do great this year because that's his team bastard.
1: <laughs> what happened with Baker Mayfield? Like, why did all of a sudden, is everybody hating on Baker Mayfield? I cannot figure that out. I don't know. There's all these jokes about him putting like a Zillow listing on the Brown stadium because he did all those like all moves, Those right. commercials? That's the progressive funny. commercials? That's
0: funny. <laughs> all right, back to mortgage stocks. So yeah,
2: cool. so we got a couple of questions. There were some good ones. Fire here. And then I want to talk about 15 versus 30-year mortgage. Great. Yeah. So one of the uh, one of the questions that came up and, and we talked about this a little bit and a little bit about the, the, the last year or last episode, we talked about it from buying a home, but just some other things. Somebody said, what, what should first time home buyers be looking for? What's, what's some good strategies? So you just talked about like the self-employed, like, hey, talk to your advisor, get you involved early, get your tax returns right, figure out some of that stuff so that you can show the right kind of income. But the but then what if I'm just going to go buy my first house and I'm looking like we already talked about one thing we did talk about you probably don't have to save as much as you think you need to save but then yes. what else would you say that just
1: gets me prepped for that you know for the home buying process like we we talked about beginning like financial advisor loan officer like get those people established early come up with a game plan and then honestly don't make an emotional decision bingo you know, I know it's a house. Bingo. I mean, there's so much stuff going on right now where people are lighting cash on fire, buying houses overvalued, giving appraisal gaps, which is means if it appraises for a hundred thousand, but I bought it for one thirty, I'll give you thirty grand and then I'll put my down payment down. You know, that's a that's a pretty highly leveraged position you're walking into. So I think the biggest thing is if you involve your advisor who's got your long term plan. Uh, You involve involve a loan officer that has a relationship with your advisor. So they're on the same page and then bring your real estate agent in there too. So they don't start showing you houses. Remember a real estate agent, we love them, but they're, they're, they're paid on commission. So they're going to, you say your budget's 500. Guess what they're going to show you a house at 540, right? You know, and, or what we can say is, Hey, at the current marketplace because of the payment I want, it's got to be here. Make sure everybody's on the same team. And, you know, like I said, begin before, uh, down payment assistance programs, every state has them. For instance, like the state of Maryland has this ridiculous one, which is amazing. If you're a first-time home buyer and you have college loans, if you meet this requirement, it's pretty, pretty strict, but if you do meet the requirement, they will actually let you buy a house for I think it's 1% down, but they will then actually pay off up to $30,000 of student loans wow. that were state student loans. So you can buy a house and liquidate student loans, through this program, if you qualify for it. Now, most people just don't know to look at it or they go to their le- local bank and the local bank says FHA, conventional VA. That's what we have. Well, within conventional, there's many different programs. Within FHA, there's even renovation loans where you can buy a house that's needs some TLC and kind of finance um, some of the upgrades to it. Uh, and so there's all of these products that are available to you. My thing is like, don't wait till you find a house on Zillow and go, oh no, I need to buy a house tomorrow. Who can who can give me a letter to buy a house? Make that decision that you're going to enter the home at buying pool. Take your time. Bring your advisors all from all sides together on it. Make sure that you were marrying correct product to correct need. And like cause some people are like, hey, this is we're, we're two newly people like in a relationship. We don't have any kids. Maybe we've got a dog. This house is good for now. Or it's like, hey, you know what? We've established a family. We want to be in the school district. I don't want to ever move. That's a completely different first-time homebuyer transaction than somebody that's just like, "Hey, I want to get, I want to stop paying rent," and so make sure everybody's needs are assessed and on the same page, and that's your best pathway to success. And then don't be emotional; be willing to let go one house because somebody that's, is outside of their mind about yep. the purchase price. That's the best advice
0: that I give my clients too. Is like it's a business decision that you're going to be stuck with and living with for a while, particularly if rate, if market values go down, you may not be able to easily sell your house and make a bunch of money on it. And so don't, you know, do your best to have a business plan, a max price, have your ducks in a row before you go looking and be just stick to that. Be tight. Yep. Stick to well, that. When you,
1: ha- when you have your advisor and your loan officer and your realtor all know the goal, we can all keep each other accountable to you as a buyer. We can't have the realtor buy it, show you houses outside of your budget. If we all are on the same page, you know, you're not, you're not going to be able to, you know, stretch a a retirement asset out. If your advisor knows why you're doing like, it just keeps everybody accountable to what's really right for the borrower and their needs. And then you're going to win when that happens. But if, if one of us is, is pushing a higher price and telling you oh we could do this or what if you ask your mom for money and because they don't know the strings that are going to come attached to that and the emotional side of things like it's just being on the same page and 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 you know we, I was going to say this earlier wealthy people have advisors people who are business owners that I know that are multi 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 millionaires they don't make a business decision without either if they have a board of directors but even if that Without their financial advisor, their attorney, their accountant, they're not going to just go around there and just make like, oh, well, this feels good. They're going to make a really smart decision. That's how wealthy people operate. And so you're you're buying your home as your, like, really your first step to generational wealth because you're building equity in an asset that you can utilize later or pass on to your next generation. Act like a wealthy person in that transaction and get your advisement under wraps so you know – what you need to do, such so great advice. Same thing. So, like, that, I mean, I'm really passionate about that. But that's how. I mean, that's how every wealthy person you've ever met. I'm telling you, they got three guys or gals that they have on speed dial when they're making a big decision. That everybody, we all powwow, we all get together, and yep. then we weigh the pros and cons. And then that person takes that advisement under, uh, uh, you know, under them, and they they make the decision. Do that as yourself. Even if you're like, man, I'm a school teacher. I make eighty grand a year. I you need an advisor. You should know an attorney. You should you should not. I hate to say it. Go to H&R Block. Have a good CPA that can help you out, and let them know when you're making a big decision, so you have all of your information at your at your waist to you know make the right decision.
2: Well, I'll tell you, man, I, I, that's such great. I mean, everybody that that is like right there. We could just end the show, and that would be your one takeaway. I, I would say, as an entrepreneur, we we started our business in 2014. I think it was. And I will tell you, over the last couple of years, finally putting the advisor team, it's made it that much easier to run the business Mm
1: -hmm. because you
2: have some people you talk to on these decisions. Because you know what? Look, us entrepreneurs, we get shiny object syndrome. You know, we get with that thing. Oh, my God, that's a great idea.
0: And you get let high.
2: Hire, let me try that. And high on your own supply. Own supply. Exactly. <laughs> and you get so excited about these ideas and you think that's really cool. Or you read an article somewhere and you're like, oh, I can buy that. And that's a write off. And yeah, I mean, there's just so many things that go on. And I think now that like I have, uh, I have kind of an informal board of directors now. I've got some, a couple of guys that, that I talk to that, you know, are just good friends, highly successful business owners themselves. And they'll be like, "Ah, uh, dude, don't do that. That's a bad idea. I've got, you know, I call Ron for for 90% of my tax questions, 100% of my tax questions now. Um, you know, so that that was been even, even a couple of years ago when I didn't have somebody as good as Ron, like just having somebody to run something by and he'd be like, okay, well, here's a couple of things to just consider. Oh shoot. I hadn't thought that. Like you just can't know everything as an entrepreneur and and now you're my mortgage guy. So sorry, Matt, like you're just going to have
1: to deal with me now. And, <laughs>
0: And no, let, me, no, let me tell you, no, no, I really
1: didn't want that to happen.
0: Let me tell you something about Matt. The one thing I like about Matt is if Matt tells you, Dominic, and this applies to any of you guys on here, because we've worked with Matt forever. If Matt goes, listen, man, you know, hey, we're going to close this loan, Dominic, as long as you do X, Y, and Z for Univana, we're going to close this loan on July 23rd at three o'clock in the afternoon. He can tell you that today. And we're going to close it at this interest rate and your closing costs are going to be this and, and this, you will have a knock on your door at two fifty nine PM on July 23rd. And it's going to be a notary like, okay, Mr. And Mrs. Cummins, I need you to sign here, 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 and here. And your loan's done. And we had a client get pissed one time at Matt. It, it was, it was some, it, what it was is the notary, Was you know some freak they got off the street, you know, just didn't look professional. That wasn't Matt's fault, it was the title company or the escrow company or something screwed that up. But my client called, just kind of freaking out, and and he's like, What it was is we were pulling some cash to pay for college, and he was just nervous about it. So I don't don't know, so I'm like, Okay, man, we can start over, but hold on. We pulled his closing sheet out, we pulled the term sheet out that Matt had given him two months earlier, line for freaking line it was to the penny so i'm like man what are you like upset about and he's like i'm freaking out like all right look man i appreciate you admitting it have yeah that's cool have a drink call me in the morning and um you know let me know what you want to do but we can we can start over but we are starting over and rates have gone up so i I just got I, i feel compelled to say that matt um because you've earned you've earned that that trust and respect. Um, Hey, Dominic, I don't know if I cut you off and if I did, I don't really care, but yeah, um, we got one last of. thing here, which is, um, and by the way, I moved inside could Dominic shame me cause I have AirPods on, so I couldn't hear how loud it was cause they were noise canceling. So sorry about that. Um, are you living Brownie? Bye, Brady. Um, so anyway, what do you say? First of all, Matt, is it harder to qualify
1: for a 15 year mortgage over a 30 year mortgage because of the higher payment? So how we calculate if you're eligible to buy a home, like your your qualifications, we use something called a debt ratio, your debt to income. So what your monthly payments on your debts are against the income that you receive. So there's a percentage that we have to stay below to qualify you. Uh, Now, a 15-year mortgage is always going to have a lower interest rate than a 30-year mortgage, but it's going to have a half the term. And so generally speaking, if your mortgage payment on 30 years is 1000 your mortgage payment... On 15 years is gonna be like sixteen or seventeen hundred. So you're adding the cost. But one of the things we want to teach our clients, and we talk to our advisors all the time about this, is understanding that a 30-year fixed mortgage does not have a prepayment penalty. Now, I will make a caveat, it has a prepayment penalty in the first 60 days. So if you buy it, get a 30-year mortgage. <laughs> But if you're gonna
0: pay it off in 60 days, what the hell were you getting a mortgage for? I, wait,
1: my like joke more. is always if you get a mortgage and you hit the lottery, go to Aruba for two months or go to Bali, are <laughs> gonna go, come back and pay your mortgage off or whatever you're gonna do. But the reason that is that's that's a failsafe for people like it's a fraud failsafe. So like I'm not doing a loan that I know is gonna get paid off super quick that I can profit from. So there's no prepayment penalty from all intents and purposes on a 30-year mortgage. And so what I look at it, it's say. The 30-year mortgage is the lowest payment, and so, therefore, you have the most cash flow freedom. You can, if you choose – now, I don't love this idea, but it's available to you, and your advisor can advise you whether it's smart or not. You can always pay a 30-year mortgage like a 15. Think of it this way. Nope. You can always it's, prepay it's it, it. like smart. a fifteen. But that's option to you. The thing is, if you pay a 15-year mortgage like a 30, that is called foreclosure. They take your home. You can't do a 15-year mortgage and go – you know i'm supposed to pay you 1700 but unless you just pay a thousand a month and just pay you for a longer time they take your house exactly. and so 30 year gives you the leverage and the liquidity to make a decision whether to pay your mortgage off quickly or not but if you it allows you to divert as much funds to retirement or your financial plan that you you need if in another time period you accumulate money on accident you get an inheritance and by golly, you don't want to listen around. and you want to buy your house, pay your house off. You just write a check for your balance and it's done. There's no prepayment penalty. But a 15-year mortgage traps you into a higher payment that can, like when you face things like your kids get old enough to go to college, they even older, they, they get married. And I don't know if you guys know how expensive weddings are right now. Nobody's nobody's serving KFC at weddings anymore. And so you get yourself into a 15-year mortgage. You go, geez, I could have been saving that $800 bucks a month just in that for the last 15 years. And boy, I would have had $150,000 even if I just put it under my mattress and didn't even have a plan for it. And all I have is equity. And you can't use equity, like as a theory, to pay for college, like inside your home. You have to pull it back out and play costs on it. You have to pull it back out and have a new interest rate. So we say you have to to qualify.
0: qualify. You have to qualify for that, which you may not either because of your income changing or you move to self employed or something like that. or... Because the house went down in value. So just mm-hmm. keep in mind. Uh, my recommendation, number one, I will just throw this in here. And Matt, you can comment again on it. Is least amount down, longest term. And if you truly want to pay it off early, do not lock yourself into a 15-year mortgage. Yeah. Put the money into a side fund. We can get more sophisticated. if you did nothing but put it into a S&P 500 index fund, And you got 6%, which is probably lower than average. And yeah, markets go up and down. But the math supports that on any home, you will have enough cash to pay off that house in 13 and a half years. So in other words, on the same dollars, if you just took the difference on the same dollars that you would have a 15-year mortgage, you actually save a year and a half. Of yeah. payments by doing the thirty and then routing the payments somewhere else because that's how math works and nobody
1: tells you that Dominic. Yeah. You balance, just hang up when you're done. Yeah. We'll be we'll be done yeah. in a moment. And the one thing so, I'm going to say is I had a professor in college. I got a finance degree. And he would make us write two things on the top of every every test. Back when tests were on paper, I know I'm 37, um, and we would always have to say I love leverage and I love liquidity and the 30 year <laughs> mortgage. It, and it was it was Hero. my not yeah. all heroes. It was my <laughs> it was my global finance professor, and the whole I point of it is, well, the whole point of it is like people are always under businesses are always under They have lack of resources. They also have lack of avenues, and leverage and liquidity provides avenues when things are good or bad, growing or waging through bad times. And so there's so many times we've had people call us and say, "Hey, Matt, I had this 15 year mortgage." Uh, Dave Ramsey, I got a a photo of him over my bed. (laughs) He's telling me to do this. and do that, by the way. I'm two years away from paying my house off, and I just got a letter that I got laid off. Can I get some of this equity out? I got (laughs) $300,000. No, you don't have any income. Because your mortgage is a loan against your income secured
0: by your house. And they don't have any leverage.
1: No leverage or liquidity in their lifestyle. So We want to maximize that because Maybe that is the decision you want to do down the road is pay your house off in a lump sum. Or maybe you just look at how much it's growing and go, well, if I could write a check to pay off my house today and I have a loan for it, in theory, if that money that I have set aside is growing, I have, in theory, paid my house off because I have the assets there to do it. And I can be in control of when I want to do it, not the bank saying, hey, Mr., Mrs., this is when you have to pay this off or else, or we're taking it back. And so we want to make sure that we are <laughs> always like leveraging and li- liquid in our finances. And that's what we love to help our advisors Brilliant. teach our borrowers. Brilliant. Sweet. Love it. Hey, I guys, I got an
0: excellent but, place. Yeah. Dominic, has got to go. That's an excellent time to end the show. Anyways, Dominic take off. I'll wrap this up here. All right. This so thanks, was the make them. more, keep more podcast. With myself, Ron Carruthers, and Dominic of Real Biz Advisors. And we were with Matt Shanleyan of Prime Res Mortgage at com or no, just at Matt Shanley on Instagram. And uh, Matt, this was a great show. I hope you guys, if you Fun. jumped on late, please go back and listen to this. There was so much good stuff in there. You're more than welcome, lovely CJP1. Um, and um Dominic and I didn't get a chance to chat about what we're going to talk about next week, but we will make it informative and profitable so you can make more and keep more. Thank you again, Matt, for jumping on the show. We really appreciated it. We'll Anytime. You soon, Thanks, man. All right. Take care. Thank you.